Positive. I'm Jenny Zagruno, and I am a comedian. And I, <laughs> I almost said stylist. Everything. <laughs> we just did that so out of order. This too it was super weird. <laughs> I'm Jenny Zagruno. I'm a comedian. And I'm Cat Eves, and I'm a stylist. And, and this, this is Gotti positive. positive. I said it this time. Yeah, we did it. Uh-huh. We didn't fuck it up. Um, uh-huh. We have a special guest who I'm very excited to bring on. Me um, too. Yeah. And I feel like she's very much an embodiment of Gaudi. Oh, yeah. I'm going to act like she's not next to me and I'm going to make eye contact. Yeah. But before we get into that, can I give one little quick shout out yes, right here? Yes. At the top Let's of the shout hour? it. Um, okay. So there's a Kickstarter happening right now, y'all. It's for an up and coming brand called Joy Toast. One word. It is an ethical brand that runs size small to 7X. All the colors are super okay. vibrant. It's a plus-size woman-run business. Um, but yeah, size small to 7X and like just really fun patterns. She made the patterns herself. She's an incredible life force out of Chicago who's done a lot of work in the community, both in the fashion community and in the plus-size community. And she's just, she's rad. And I want to make sure that everybody knows about the Joy Toast Kickstarter so you can go support it. Ethically made. Okay. You know, that's how but I what roll. is it? You didn't. It's clothes. You, okay. I didn't say that. I said I size you, small to 7X. Said, yeah, but you didn't say clothes. Oh. I was like, is it robes? Is it, is it bathing okay. suits? <laughs> well, I've already it? fucked it up. God damn it. I hope you'll go support. It's a mystery. You have to go to Kickstarter to find out. What kind of clothes is it? Is haunted. it skirts? Is it skorts? Haunted is clothes. It, it's haunted clothes. No. I wish. Doesn't that sound fun? No. Oh. <laughs> what if the ghost is really you don't have cool? to you don't have to laugh silently Paulina. oh i was like i haven't been introduced yet i was like i'm not here i understood what she said i heard bold colors and i was like give me i'll give yeah, you all, yeah. all the patterns all the money the Thank voice you. you're hearing is paulina pinsky uh yes. amazing writer uh she's a comedian she is a deep thinker she Ooh. is a, a lady of adventure and <laughs> very colorfully dressed um what else do you want me to say i don't know but i'm so i love every word that you used to describe me yeah it's always I, nice because people are like how do you want to be introduced and we didn't have that conversation which I, I like it's like oh what is what does jenny think i am yeah you know? a lady of adventure i hope i am a lady of adventure i 100 think I like you're that. a lady of adventure oh, i saw you, you so dancing much. at that wedding i saw you Ooh. kicking it with your cowboy boots oh yeah i know Ooh. how to bring the fun yeah that's true well yeah. also you did leave one thing out what <gasps> figure skater oh uh, skater. Yes. yes which i just think is so cool thank I you love, <laughs> i love figure skating i love figure skating oh everyone does it's so funny it's like i don't care about it okay well wow, that's because your sister does it or did do it and I so know. what a bitch yeah so you have some resentment i was about to say Dark. if you're close to it you don't want anything to do with it <laughs> but if you watch it on tv as a oh, small yes. child you love it yeah. yes that is true. Mm-hmm. That is true. It is. That was always the thing we watched during the Olympics. I yep. couldn't care about anything else. But I was like, yeah. let's watch the figure skating. Yeah. yeah. I did a year of figure skating as a kid. That's, that's amazing. That's what I have to contribute. Well, we yeah. should go skate. Mm, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> People are always scared to go with me. And I understand <laughs> getting on the ice with a loaded gun. But... <laughs> 
<laughs> like it's really just about knowing where to distribute your weight because yeah. when you're skating you know you have the toe pick and then behind the toe pick is the ball of the blade and so you're kind of on the balls of your feet rather than like flat on your feet like a roller skate or your literal feet yeah. and so once you realize where to sort of like place your body weight you can skate around and do it backwards and stuff so I just like there's always like a 15 minute intro of like all right like we skate around and I'm like you know pitch forward no not forward okay you know and then people are fine yeah. yeah. So we should all go skate. I wanted to do hockey. That was what I wanted to do. You did. I, so my dad, when I was like maybe 12, took me out on the ice. And he's like, I'm going to teach you how to stop. And that did not happen. <laughs> it was me just hitting the wall constantly. Oh, no. Him being like, okay, oh, um, <laughs> let's try it again. Let's get up. And he had a big Russian hat on because it was like the one thing from Russia that he got. So just Papa's going to be like, ah, uh, oh, you know what? What about basketball? <laughs> do, you like, do you like basketball? I was so too cool. tall for figure skating. Like I was oh. like big, even though like now I'm 5'5". Five five, but when I was skating, I was 5'2". And I towered over all the other girls. Really? And so part of me is like, why didn't I just do hockey? Because I played rugby in college. Oh, yeah. Oh yeah, and I'm—I would have been different. Oh my god, you would have—I I would love to see you in a full hockey outfit yes. and then like twirling. Yes. I'm like, so mad it didn't happen. <laughs> like I'm mad, straight up. Like probably would have lot of, like a lot less feminine based trauma. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, you could just <laughs> check someone and then yeah. triple axel away. <laughs> I have a question: Is there roller derby on ice? Dude, I wish. I want to do roller derby, it, but it's really hard to get in contact with roller derby le leagues. Like, it's kind of really? like you have to know the right person. Oh. And I've been trying for years in multiple cities to find people. And oh. it's like, what? there's always weird tryout times oh. and like the emails never work. And it's always really <laughs> difficult. So if you're listening in part of roller derby and uh, need somebody who is very aggressive and has great s skating skills <laughs> please contact me they're just they're so punk rock okay uh, um, you think punk yeah. rock people answer emails on time no. No, no no they're so punk rock that's actually my excuse for why i'm behind on my inbox <laughs> too punk rock i'm sorry i'm just so punk rock it's just, i like that yeah uh, i like that i gotta maintain a lifestyle <laughs> you know? a safe distance from yeah. anybody who wants to talk to that's me that's right exactly exactly <laughs> oh you want to give me a job mm, you're gonna have to wait okay <laughs> sorry this email is not within my punk rock hours yeah my email cbgb's for life <laughs> yeah mine's yeah. joy ramon one two three four that's no oh, way does my password it's not it's never anything i had a friend correctly guess my password one time and i was like fuck <laughs> Oh no! And he said it. Such a way, was like, "What is it? This?" And I was like, yeah. "What is it? What is it? Henry Rollins? No, we can't. No, we can't. Henry Rollins can get it. It's hundred percent. Also, I'm uh, going on record. Henry Rollins can get it. <laughs> Who's Henry Rollins? Oh, Henry Rollins is from yeah, Black Flag. But he's like, he was like the punk rock guy that was like doing all like these lectures and talks, and was yeah. like. I'm really punk rock, but also let's talk about economic. Like he's oh, an man. intellectual. He's an intellectual. I love punk a rocker. hybrid. Here, I'll show yeah. you Henry Rollins. He, okay. He's. Uh, and I I'll think determine he'd be if he can get it. Fuck. To be <laughs> honest, like, he can't get it. He can get it, but he's also really irritating. Too. <laughs> <laughs> what man is not irritating? Is like, my question. I think my, mansplaining was like named after him. You know what I mean? Oh, is he a well actually? 
Uh, probably. I know. He was probably like He's a, just the kind of person who will explain the thing that you just said to you. Oh, man. But he'll think it's more. I've already got too many men in my family like that. <laughs> this is a good picture of And me. I have to talk to... Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. I, well, let me see. Let me that was a scary photo. picture. Well, that is a scary picture, but I, you know, I like him a little um, scary. Let me see. Then, you know what? I don't know if he can get it anymore. Yeah, I don't know. Hang on. You know who can get it now? Johnny Knoxville. Oh, he could God. always get it. He can always get it. He's, you know what? He's gotten it. He's yeah. a nice face. He doesn't know he's gotten it, but he is a nice in my face. fantasy, we've gotten is it. Is he still with Fergie? Well, there he's smiling. Oh, God. Is he? Wait, what? <laughs> oh, that's better. He's. Sm- Wait a second. Johnny Knoxville's with Fergie? Weren't they married for a long time? What? No. No, her. Josh Dahmel, or whatever his last name is, oh, does he does actually look like Johnny Knoxville? I confuse Knoxville. those two who? all the time. Uh, he's an actor who looks kind of like Johnny Knoxville. I never oh, really thought okay. of him before, but he does. I That's so funny. I was like, "Why are Fergie?" I mean, I guess maybe Fergie's <laughs> cool. I don't know. I was like, I don't think that's right. I don't think they're together. Yeah, he's it, he's married to someone not Fergie. In the seventh grade, I had um, glamorous stuck in my head every night when I was falling asleep, um, but just the chorus. So it'd be oh. like G L A M O R. O-U-S. And then it would just repeat and repeat and repeat. So then I started listening to music. That's how you fall asleep at night? I didn't fall asleep at night. Fergie was just rattling in my skull, keeping me, like, my eyes pried open. I was like, this is hell. Hell is not a place, but in between my my two ears. Oh, my God. When I closed my eyes. You had an earworm. Yeah. What did your therapist say about that? Didn't have one yet, and I definitely needed one. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Therapy since ten, baby. Oh no, I was I was full. I went to a nutritionist weekly. Oh god. Yeah. Oh right, right. You don't need therapy. You, you don't just need therapy. Need a diet. Yeah, pretty much. Mm-hmm. Yeah. As my yeah. mom said, girls um, are mean and are jealous of you. So if you lose weight, they won't. They will leave you alone. Get out of there. It's <laughs> <laughs> a dog. Yell. Sorry, we were just yelling at the. I wasn't yelling at. <laughs> no, I, no, I was yelling at your mom. I was riffing. Get out of there. I was riffing and making things up. She did say girls are jealous. I, I, you know, um, I mean, that's but she did. Like, she did offer uh, going to the nutritionist as a solution to being bullied in school, right, um, which right. is very Los Angeles. <laughs> yeah, and also figure skating at the same time. I had the double whammy. I had the Southern California Hollywood culture and figure skating, oh which is just God. like like eating disorder city. Yeah, um, but no one talks about it. It's ballet on skates. I it, mean, yeah, yeah. Oh my God, yeah. And so, yeah, I was going to a nutritionist weekly from ages twelve to eighteen. Oh my God. Um, and I would get weighed weekly and she would give me exact like regimes on what I was allowed to, to eat. Mm-hmm. And like she had like packets full of like products from like the early 2000s that were like low fat, low cow that I was allowed to eat. So like 100 Snack calorie wells. packs, uh-huh. uh, think thin bars. All the food is like cardboard. It's, it's like 50% cellulose, right? Yeah, it's all Yeah, false. I wasn't eating. And I like, wood. no wonder like Glamorous was like playing on repeat in my head. Like I wasn't like, <laughs> you know, like I wasn't ingesting <laughs> enough. Like... pretty bird. <laughs> yeah, really? You're glamorous. Wow. Remember, you're glamorous. I never thought about like the, what was repeating in my school in the yeah. seventh grade at the height of my anorexia. Glamorous. Like, <laughs> that is bleak. <laughs> Fergie, who's just like, um, what was this? She was like, working on my fitness. I'm, oh, yeah. I'm on an escalator, working on my fitness. 
She was just like, I remember like reading articles. I mean, the early 2000s were so bad. Like, so, so bad. Awful. And like these like Gen Z girls were like, I love low rise jeans. I'm like, girl, we left those in the past for a reason. Listen, they're coming back. They're coming back. We talked about them last episode and I was like, I'm glad they're coming back at a time when everybody has a butt though. Because yeah. I don't know how you're going to work that out. I'm excited to see. That is true. Yeah. They, were, they were flat. They were yeah. so flat. There was everybody. no butt because nobody, you didn't want a butt then. No. You wanted that tiny little toast butt where it's you, just, you know. The like the butt flaps, like a Krabby just Patty, a little, you know, just like. a Krabby Patty. What's a toast butt? It's just like, you know, it's so small. It's so thin. It's like barely we, even a the Happy The skin meal still sags. Yeah. 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 You got the flap. You I've can like hide the little flap. I've yeah. seen some of those butts now in uh, at the Wee Spa. Oh, yeah. I've seen a couple of those butts. They don't age well. No. That's what I'm saying. You got to no. keep it round. Keep it firm. That's going to be a butt that's with you for a lifetime. It's <laughs> Listen, eventually you're going to sit on that butt and you're going to be like, oh, everything hurts. Yeah. Have anything. Yeah. I, I love a cushion on my tushin. It is comfy. So, so does our future guest. Yes. We've been trying to get um, oh. the French Brutus to come on. Denny's manifesting this shit. <laughs> I know, love it. Do you know who I'm talking about? No, but just oh the name head. alone. He's mm. a French porn star. <gasps> yeah, we, and he's a thick daddy. Oh, my God. He's a daddy. We're fans. We're fans. We're both fans. So we're trying to manifest him to get on. Will you send me uh, you mean evidence? Want to show you right now? What is? I mean, because you he's can. Up. <laughs> he's up on my phone. Because <laughs> <laughs> I was just watching. I was just thinking about him. I opened um, Instagram today and it was his face came up. And it was just like, just a cute. F- I just was cute today. Like, literally, I oh. think that was the caption. I was like, God damn it. Uh, he was cute. He is cute. He's cute every day. I like a we will. We will get to, Me like, too. real questions with you in no, a minute. No. But also, let's look at this guy. You don't ever. Yeah. Can you send me the, his uh, Instagram? <laughs> and can I be there when he comes on your podcast? Uh. You can be there when he comes on my face, girl. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, like, I really like the setup for that was too good. Yeah. Like, well, you can be. I'll I'll send it to you. Jenny and I've let's had a lot of conversations happening. about Eiffel Towers. Let's just say oh, that. Oh, God bless. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Uh, Lupe, you can't have the French guy. Oh, no. She sees through the table. She sees a bone. <laughs> yeah. Oh, does she see a bone? She sees a bone. She sees me trying to uh fuck uh oh my god, I can't do this. I can't be so thirsty. Get Jenny, relax. There. Her brain stopped working. She's like, <laughs> All right, well, this is the part of the never show where get Jenny's too horny now. for I'm too horny. <laughs> I love that like the ability like when you get horny and you just get dumb. It's like I I, <laughs> yes. I am I know I'm an intelligent, <laughs> eloquent human, but when I get dumb you're doing something right. Yeah. Oh you yeah, know? yeah, yeah. I'm just I like, don't remember oh. words. So if we could just end this date okay. right now yeah. and question. <laughs> yeah. This is a question. Yeah. Have you any of you ever gone deaf when you've come? <gasps> yes. Okay, cool. This is a thing. This is it a is real a thing, thing, right? Yeah, more than once. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A little, you ever had a little it? dizzy little deaf. Happen? I'm sorry. I've come I've I've come eat hard in my day, but I've never lost my hearing You've and never now lost I'm your really? pissed. <laughs> Girl. I got some people in Los Angeles to hook you up. It's okay, fine. great. <laughs> great. Um, I'm gonna make you come so hard you lose one of your senses. <laughs> <laughs> no, I did have that once though. Yeah. There was a dude I hooked up with and then afterwards, you know, you do the the healthy thing, you go and you go pee. And I was in the bathroom and I hear him go I lost my hearing and I was like <laughs> sitting there and literally the second he said that my ears went yeah like just a little ringing and then I was like oh my god so did I yeah <laughs> you guys had a good, good time it was a good time oh yeah, yeah. I'm gonna fuck you so hard you can't hear right yeah <laughs> yeah 
Yeah. Yeah. Oh, you make women not be able to walk. I make them. They can't fucking hear. You yeah, know what? Have to learn I'm already. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's right. That's right. Uh, save that hand use for the sign language. Anyways, yeah. okay. All right. I'm horny. <laughs> you can so <laughs> real questions. <laughs> real questions. Actually, I want to start off with something we were talking about yesterday. So you teach this really awesome class, which I was pimping yesterday at the. It. I guess not pimping. That's we're a pimping terrible it. word. I was just thinking how it's Halloween and we're getting to that time when I start to question why people have pimp costumes still. Uh Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So stupid. Anyways, I was um, singing your praises. (laughs) Very different uh, to this women's comedian group that I was in. Oh, thank you. We were talking about it and I was like, oh, my friend Paulina runs this class. Um, It's in January. It's eight weeks. It's it's like going through the artist's way. And, um, yeah, so we go through the artist's way and you were talking about silliness, right? And I like really loved this concept of silliness and talking about how to bring more silliness into your life. Definitely. Yeah. Cause we, so last week we had for one of the artist's way tasks. So this fall I'm doing the expedited version, which is eight weeks, but usually it's 12. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. and so, cause it's a 12 week spiritual work workbook. Um, the artist way is a 12 week spiritual workbook written by Julia Cameron meant to unblock creativity. Mm. Um, and I came upon it in 2018. Um, and I've done it every way. Like I like, you know, it took me six months to get through it for the first time. And then I did it again. And then I led people through it. So now it's like, I'm like on my fifth or sixth go through. Um, and every time you go through it, you learn something new. Yeah. And, um, something we were sort of honing in on last week was just like, you know, our inner artist is our inner child. Right. And so in order to make space for our art, we have to make space for play and silliness. And like myself as a person, I'm very playful. Um, and I can get silly through that playfulness, but I think that, um, I'm trying to cultivate a sense of silliness generally. Mm-hmm. And so I kind of like, I went into sort of a fugue state, state last Friday and I was like trying to hot, well, this chair that I think brought fleas into my, my bedroom, nice. um, the leg broke off. And so I was like, maybe I can hot glue gun it. No. Oh, no. <laughs> the answer is no, but the glue gun was hot and it was plugged in and I was like, well, I got these pom-pom balls and googly eyes <laughs> maybe i can glue them onto my white platform crocs oh. and i just kind of like entered a fugue state uh-huh. where i was just like like you know that meme with like the math ca- calculations it was like me with googly eyes and pom-poms uh-huh. and i and i kept like different stages i would like take a picture and send it to someone i was like is this insane or brilliant like i yeah, can't you tell sent, you uh-huh. sent me and i was like it's pretty it's both it's wild <laughs> Which is exactly my vibe. Like, I'm trying to straddle that, that, like, is she okay space? Yeah, I have the pom-pom crown that you made. Yes. Which I feel like that is, I think pom-poms are such, like, a, uh, you know, it's okay. (laughs) Okay. I have my little pins right here. Oh, I love. Yeah, pull it up to your titties. Okay, that's a look. <laughs> I love it. But like, like uh, pom poms, um, pipe cleaners, like all that shit is like children yeah. silliness of like, like we would make silly things with that. Yeah. And it's just like, uh, it feels like you've <laughs> entered this new like oh i'm going to embrace this lisa frank silliness of my childhood i really am should we have a gaudy like stoner stoner craft night well i'm sober but y'all are welcome to smoke okay 
um but i think just edibles and then then great and i'll be there and i yeah i i pretty much in sobriety uh can get high just by being near people like i'm just like i can reach the level where people are and i like i fucking love it too yeah it's great and so um yeah i'm very much embracing i and i I had like a really beautiful early childhood. Um, Mm -hmm. But also I think that like the silliness left earlier than most people because Mm -hmm. I was like competitive figure skater and like her body is the problem. And like, and so I'm kind of diving into, I mean, even just the way I dress is very, like very gaudy positive. (laughs) Um, (laughs) um, My, my favorite color scheme is like starburst tropical, like red, pink, orange, yellow. Like I like that sort of sunburst color Mm -hmm. scheme. Um, And so like, even when I like, journal or send people letters like I'm finding that I'm like deliberately doing this sort of like arts and crafty like are you nine years old Mm -hmm. aesthetic and yeah I'm just leaning into it because you know it's like there is there's um this woman I think she's on her her Instagram handle is like shitty craft club do you know about her oh she's amazing she I think she's a Brooklyn-based comedian and she like does like little crafts and she makes these really funny videos and like her aesthetic is like similar to mine Mm. and I've really been I don't know her name I only know her handle welcome to 2022 um I'll find yeah but she has like just so deliberately shitty you know and so um it's kind of yeah like coming back to this idea of like I am a playful person but like making space for silliness I think is a different energy I love that I think like you know one of the things I'm wondering is you were talking about being making time for being silly and how silliness left for you it made me think about how figure skating or doing any sort of like competitive anything it does take the silliness out of it usually have you gone back to like have you revisited figure skating from like through a sillier lighter lens yeah so i um i stopped skating when i was 18 and i moved to new york for college Mm. and that's like when i really started drinking Mm. um and so it was kind of like i splintered off from that self and was like i'm different i party now you know like i get invited to parties Mm. you know um you were like Miley Cyrus when she pre- left Disney. Pretty much. Yeah. Pretty much. I mean, like in high school, I was like, I could play the ingenue. You know, I was Belle yeah. and Beauty and the Beast when my high yeah. school did it, you know. But then in college, it was like in, you know, student musical theater, I, I would get bit parts or wow. like big diva parts or whatever. Yeah. Um, and um, I'm actually reading my friend's memoir. It's called Hysterical. It's written by Alyssa Bassist. Um, and it's about like illness and like feminism. And it's a comedic memoir. She's actually one of my favorite comedy writing teachers that I've ever had. Wow. Um, she does like satire and like sort of like McSweeney slash New York style, like New Yorker Ooh, yeah. style pieces. Mm-hmm. Um, but she's, you know, her memoir is great. I'm actually doing an event tonight to moderate her book <laughs> at oh, Romans nice. in Pasadena. Um, but... Uh, yeah, this is just like what roles we give women and how yeah. like so much doesn't pass the Bechdel test and like all these things. But I think I really like through reading her book, I'm like, oh, shit. Like I really was I knew how to play sort of like the the thin, pretty white woman really well. And like mm. when I went to college, I went to Barnard, like feminist Mecca. It was just like I was so finally able to express the anger that I've been throwing up my entire mm-hmm. childhood. Mm-hmm. Um, and so for the past 11 years um 
I like I was very compartmentalized and so I couldn't even really talk about ice skating because I had like so much like trauma from it yeah um but in sobriety and through doing the artist way in January I came back to the sport um and I hadn't been able to do that That's before so, cool. so so now I think I am learning how to have a sillier approach like apparently there's like a great adult skating scene and that they like have adult nationals and apparently it's like super supportive and like awesome. super fun so i'm like i'm i kind of want to skate to the like he's a boogie woogie bugle boy oh, company yeah. and just like have like a cute little like sailor costume or whatever yeah, yeah. Like, um, have fun with it yeah, yeah. so Fuck roller derby yeah like, hang out with right. these people okay the weird skating <laughs> like literally ice skating is a cult yeah. yeah, ice skating is a cult. Southern California has the largest network of ice rinks in the country. What? Isn't yeah, that so funny. It's not L- even cold here. I know. Well, SoCal loves. I th- my theory is SoCal loves artificial landscapes. Oh God, yeah. Yes. I mean, I just learned there's. They've been working on a an arena in Palm Springs, and I was like, what sport is going in there? A hockey team? No way. In Palm Springs. What? Why? Why? I don't know. Who Did- Who is this for? I don't know. I, I, I pro- it, you know what it probably is, is like there's such an extensive network of ice rinks. I bet that there's like a couple hours between the two main ones. So they were like, we need to put one in between. <laughs> <laughs> the one in India is too far. Seriously. <laughs> yeah. In India and Beaumont. I did not know one. that, that Southern California has the most. I mean, to be fair, I guess in other places like where it's cold, they have ice rinks. It's just called like the lake, you know? Yeah. But still. Well, like, you know, um, like Sasha Cohen, Michelle Kwan, like all these people come out of Southern California. The the wow. woman who landed the triple axel at the Olympics. Yeah. Childhood friend of mine. Huh. Oh, you wow. Know? Yeah. And so, um, yeah, it's just it's 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 a breeding ground. It's like kind of like the most competitive region mm-hmm. in the nation. Wow. Um, and then they all go to Colorado Springs to like train at the Olympic Center and all that stuff. But yeah, um, that was oh, not me. beautiful Colorado Springs. What a- <laughs> Military and military and focus on the family. Oh, is that what it is? That's, I've never been to Colorado where from, Springs. So Colorado Springs. If you were to quiz me in Colorado Springs, I'd be like, "There's uh, probably some springs." There might be a spring. I don't even. Yeah. The military built over it. Uh, probably. I yeah. I used to go there. Um. So one of my childhood friends from Southern California, she became like a really competitive pair skater. And so she moved to Colorado Springs. And so in the summer I would go to Colorado Springs and compete. Wow. (laughs) And so we'd stay at the, the Balt, uh, what was it called? The Biltmore, some like crazy ass huge hotel. And like the altitude difference is like crazy. crazy. And so I would have to train for the altitude difference. So not only is it like cardiovascularly harder because it's lower oxygen content, but you, you feel heavier. So Mm -hmm. you can't jump the same. That's wow. crazy. So is that that's why they do all of the, the training up there? Training. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. There and in what's the one in Oregon? Bend, Oregon. Is I think they do so. In one yeah, or Utah, somewhere, fucking somewhere you don't know, up you're there. Just making shit up. I don't know. Did you guys know that in South Dakota, there is an (laughs) underground ice rink just for Buffalo? I literally was like, wait, what? (laughs) I'm so gullible. Tell me more. I love trusting people. It's in a cave. (laughs) I'm like, how did I never hear about this? What the fuck? They put put ice skates on the buffalo (laughs) and they just slide down. Uh, a hill, know, a yeah. hill, and yeah. then it's real silly. It's it's the silliest. Listen, it's maybe so you're silly. just manifesting a silly you know buffalo Honestly, ice. Okay, ring. there is a silly place in South Dakota. This is a real place. Yeah. It's called uh, the um, the uh, Corn Palace. Yeah. Oh yeah. 
I love Cone. I love Cone. Do you so, know? Do you know who is the? He's he's, he's the this. guy, little corn kid. That's yeah. like it's Cone. Yeah, he's now the the you know ambassador <laughs> of corn, apparently. Of but the, the corn, corn palace. palace is a real place. It's in South Dakota in this tiny ass town that I went to, and it is uh they ha- they every year they change these massive murals yeah. on the side of like. It's a palace made of corn, but it's really like uh, you plastic know. corn. No, no, no. It's real, it's real corn. It's all it's real, real corn, corn, but it's um, it looks like an arena, kind of yeah. <laughs> like a basketball arena for like a high school. But it's covered in corn kernels, and they do these crazy murals on yeah. there. Wow, I love America sometimes. Like sometimes I hate it for a lot of reasons, great. but like a where corn else palace? would that happen? I do want to. I do love a corn palace. A corn palace. I, love the idea. I want it. To, I like that it exists. Yeah. 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 Yeah, and then it's across from, there was a costume shop where I got this amazing costume. This lady had been collecting costumes for 40 years. Ooh. And, and it's in the middle of North of South Dakota, so there's like, she had all this crazy vintage <gasps> that she'd been collecting since she was a, a teenager wow. and turned into this costume shop that no one ever fucking used. Wow. Yeah, it was amazing. And then it had a bunch of old stuff on their main street, and then it had, oh, also you could get, butter popcorn in the corn palace oh my and god and i did i want to go but across the street was Road this yeah. was Let's do it. this is the gaudy retreat <laughs> <laughs> everybody else's retreat everybody else's retreat is like we're going to cuba yeah, we're gonna yeah. go Nicaragua. To- we're gonna do yoga every day yeah. we're going to solving we <laughs> <laughs> like danish shit evil skeevers <laughs> Yeah, yeah. But we're I, like, meet us at Anderson's Pea Soup. That's yeah. where we're oh, at. Oh, we did. We Yeah. Yeah. We both got sick. Um, <laughs> yeah. We did. We both got very yes, ill from did. that soup, um, but it was worth it. And then so across the street, though, is this is this weird castle-shaped building. I went in. It is owned by this guy who built basically a whole um, Christian, uh, like, walk through the ark kind of shit with old mannequins and, like, nope. stuff that he built crazy and but it also used to be a doll museum so he still has all the dolls gonna get worse I knew it was going to get fucking worse. He has all the porcelain dolls above everything. Oh, my. Does he have marionettes? I'm the, all the way He probably does have marionettes. I'm all the way fucking out. But he, uh-huh. but uh, he no. is, like, it's like, Evil. but then, <laughs> so you go in, it's like a Christian book center and like all this crazy stuff. And I was talking clowns, to him. I, I need to, this is yeah. South Dakota? This isn't South Turns Dakota. Turns out my people are in South Dakota. They're uh-huh. not, this guy seems like he's your people. And then, and then, and then he's like, like, that guy for sure has a doorbell made of nipples. I'm just saying. <laughs> That's amazing. That's how many amazing. how many episodes can I bring that up? Can I find a reason to bring Wait, up? Wait, so someone literally nipples? has a doorbell made of nipples? Gain, the the real Texas Chainsaw. Oh, he had a doorbell made of nipples. I thought it was just like a belt. I thought he had a. I could be wrong, but I thought there was also a doorbell. Boop. Oh, all right. <laughs> Which is kind do of press, clever. I'm you not press the lie. nipple. Do you squeeze, yeah, pull, you press or twist? The yeah. What do you t- do? You twist it. <laughs> <laughs> if you twist it, you get a different noise. <laughs> One's like ding dong. The other one's like ah! exactly. (laughs) (laughs) And the other one's yes, daddy. Wait, wait. Can you do your best yes, daddy, for me? Yes. Wait. You want me to do it the way we say it? Oh, oh no. I feel the control leaving my body. Oh, I, don't like yes, <laughs> I like saying daddy. 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 Okay, Stewie from Family Guy. <laughs> <laughs> well, now I can never say it like that again. Um, so thank you. Family Guy really defined my childhood. South Park and Family Guy was like really what we were eating in my oh, house. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, really? All together family time? <laughs> yeah. From wow. third grade onward. Actually, I have a great story about that. 
Okay. In the fifth grade, um, I had seen the episode of South Park where they are a boy band mm-hmm. and they sing a song that's like, I want to finger bang bang you every night. <laughs> and so at the time, I was super into making AIM screen names. Oh. And so okay. I made my screen oh. name Finger Banger 1111. No, you didn't. <laughs> You didn't know. That's my birthday. You didn't know, right? Correct? I didn't know. Yeah, no, okay. no. I'm like, you really, you just didn't I know. I had comprehensive yeah. sex education. Oh I was God. not street smart or sexually active. It's so funny that you, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and so uh, I, uh, the next day driving to school, I'm like, dad, I made a new screen name. <laughs> the best part of this is that my dad is Dr. Drew. Yes. And so. Wait, wait, wait. <laughs> For yeah. anybody listening, that's uh, that's true. Just, yeah. there, just a, she's not joking. That's yeah, that, that's true. true. That's yeah. that's dead facts. Yeah. And um, he's like, "What?" And he was like, "What is it?" And I'm in the back seat. I'm in between my brothers. I'm a triplet. Yeah. And so I'm in between my brothers, and I was like, "Banger, banger, eleven, 11. And um, he remembers <laughs> being on the freeway. I remember being um, at the red light going down wilson wait i love that you just said basically like this com- th- this story has been retold yeah he told us at my college graduation dinner <laughs> no yeah. he was like i obviously i'm proud of paulina but honestly the moment i went was most proud of her and then told this story <laughs> and so i was like mm-hmm. what is your dad a comedian yeah he b- 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 yeah. he's a good street man no i'm just kidding hey, two Say. Making my dad laugh say. is very satisfying now because it's unexpected. Because like, <laughs> yeah, my mom she has a you know a glass of wine in her. I'm the funniest yeah. person in the room. Wait, but wait, but okay, okay so, the punchline. Yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. so I'm like finger banger eleven eleven, and in my memory he like stu- like he's at the red light. He like puts his hand on the passenger seat headrest, turns around, he's like, "Do you know what that means?" And I was like, "It's a boy band in South Park." Like, what do you mean? And he was like. <laughs> Would you like to know what that means? And my brother's like, (laughs) (laughs) your brothers are so excited. I'm guessing your brothers knew what it meant. I think so. And he was like, okay. They just both pull out popcorn. (laughs) Pretty much. Pretty much. They're like, we come from the corn palace. Yeah, (laughs) we got the buttered porn. Um, And he basically, like, I started screaming. He was basically probably like, when and i'm sure it was like in very heteronormative <laughs> terms of like when a man stimulates a woman sexually or something and i was just like oh, ah! god. oh my god i have to go home like no <laughs> and so and my brothers were like laughing their asses off oh and i'm sure god. like i never used the screen name again i'm sure some bot had like took yeah. it over and is now like oh wait it's still it's still i mean out there. I, I have no idea <laughs> i think we gotta make t-shirts it's still banger banger 11 11 yeah. oh my god yeah. please <laughs> this so tale good. must live on like yeah. <laughs> That's so great. I'm mortified. It was so good. Now, I mean, because yeah. your dad is who he is, yeah. is, when he's telling this, do you have, in your household, do you have a relationship with all of that content where you're just kind of like, oh God, that's bad? Or did you have like the the feeling that I would have if my dad was the one to say anything? Oh, so embarrassed. Like, yeah, because that's so what I wonder. Is like my dad would, terrified. If, if he were to say that to me, I would be melting inside i was hot lava uncomfortable yeah like you were yeah you were i was terrified well mostly because in the third grade my mom looked at me on the way to ice skating practice and told me when you lose your virginity your father's gonna broadcast it on the radio oh (laughs) no which tells you my mom because that's who she is i love her to death how old were you at this time eight 
Oh, yeah. <laughs> and you're like, what's virginity? Yeah, I was right? like, because I, my mom likes to say I was a dude magnet. Like, I always had a little boyfriend. I always had crushes. I mean, really, yeah. it's an antecedent to my alcoholism. Like, I was just yeah. addicted to, like, high intensity things. Yeah. And attention. And just attention. Like, ah, I love attention. Yeah. And so, same, um, same. so my mom, like, my, in her defense, my mom's mom was, like, a pack a day smoker, like, kind of been been called a narcissist by both parents like kind of just like that you know mm-hmm. martini and hand narcissistic mom just like i could hear my grandmother through my mother in that moment you know yeah. what i mean yeah. um and so like in her defense it's like yeah i like definitely have been under scrutiny in a way that my brothers haven't sure. um because yeah. i'm a girl mm-hmm. um yep. but i was absolutely terrified of my dad finding out anything mm. and so we didn't we had a sex talk i think when i was like in fifth grade i screamed my way through that <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Uh-huh. Yeah, but like, luckily, my school like I had comprehensive sex education yeah, in like yeah. third grade until yeah. I graduated. Um, Can I just say I had 110 percent grade in the sex education part of science? Of course, you did. 110. You can't even. You can't. Can you point? What were you doing? What were, who were you performing? Score. Yeah. What did that? How does that work? I showed the teacher. I was like, I know all. Of this. You're like, I know where the vast. I showed her is. things she didn't even know. Yeah. I was like, no, I didn't. Oh you're my God. Like, Again, do you know how I, to stimulate? I love believing people. <laughs> Jenny goes, let me show you how to stimulate the po- the prostate in like fifth grade. <laughs> oh my God. And then sometimes when you're doing it, like it'll probably, their dick won't be hard, but like that's totally normal. <laughs> <laughs> that they still like it. <laughs> <laughs> and that concludes my, <laughs> my workshop project. on rusty trombones. And it's, it's, it's uh, my one of the three part, <laughs> it's one of the three part things that open up. <laughs> yeah. Oh, uh, God bless how those. To the prostate. The prostate. Next week, we will be learning how to use dick cages. Mm. <laughs> I love that. Oh, that was a great photo. Um, I showed it the dick. The, yeah, the she did. Oh, dis- okay. Oh, yeah. That's, That's okay. I'm coming to Folsom Fair next Despite year. Despite all my rage. Are you going back? I think you, you done? going by yourself. You, yeah. you, you going? Go I, I might go again. You might go again. I don't know. I, was, I, I had a talk with a friend about it mm-hmm. and uh, was kind of like, I don't know. I'm going to see where I am in my kink phase. I'll tell you what I got today. What? I got a text from a friend I know from the Bay who I've known a long time. And yeah. And he was like, he goes, why didn't you tell me you were going to Folsom? And I was like, I don't like this conversation. Why? Because it was not, uh, it was a, please let me make sure that I go with you next time. Kind of thing. Oh. Yeah. Like and you don't want like, that. Yeah. Yeah. The, the people seem to be sniffing out the whole cat. It might Here's, be single now. Mm, oh. They come crawling. Let me tell you, okay. it's fast and furious. I ended an engagement nine months ago when I got sober mm-hmm. and oh boy, everybody comes out. It's real interesting. Oh my God. Especially when you glow up. Oh my God. <sighs> I'm waiting for the glow up right now. I'm uh, ha- I have a face rash. So that's how <laughs> that's, that's it, it took. It took six, seven months for me yeah. to like not take a nap every single day. Yeah. I mean, I was yeah. also getting sober at the same time. <laughs> yeah. Well then you're, you're in, headed in the right direction. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I I'm waiting. I I'm waiting it. for this thing. I feel like I've glowed up and no nothing. No one's coming knocking on this door. I just feel like you've been glowing. I've been. I'm, yeah, I've, you I've are been glowing. glowing since day one. Yeah, yeah. Come, to me. come to me. I really I mean, this is probably like my sobriety talk 
talking, but I just think there's divine timing in everything. Agreed. Like I, I really agree. do. And that like we are not in control in the way that we think we are. Yeah. Yeah. No, we're not. And like, it's just also I'm like, I'm kind of I'm exhausted waiting. And then I'm sure it's like, well, when they show up, it's going to be, you're going to be like, I think I knew we did. And I'm like, I'm somewhere in between. I'm like somewhere in between on the whole idea of like fate. And then they're just being like, I don't know. Sometimes you're just, you, you keep doing this work on yourself. I mean, even with your last relationship, like the thing that I would say about some of the last like people few people that you've dated yeah i have witnessed you have moments of growth mm. emotionally you know whatever mentally as you've gone through those things and so whenever it does happen you just keep growing mm-hmm. yeah i guess grow or die but i that's that is true mm-hmm. grow or die growth, like a growth shark is, growth is tiring exhausting. it's, it's exhausting so hard dude very into like the buddhism side of things where it's like just fucking be like that's yeah but that's a growth i mean being present is a form of growth you know yeah Yeah. Yeah. that's hard too i love dissociating oh that was my first drug (laughs) (laughs) my first boyfriend was dissociation (laughs) i like to split from reality Mm. no in high school literally i would sit at the lunch table and i'd be like you know when you stare and it feels really good and you don't want to blink and they'd be like you say that every day paulina like shut the fuck up (laughs) i'm like sorry i'm i'm only eating 1200 calories a day and exercising for four hours and i'm gonna get into columbia this way you know i was so intense (laughs) also then when you just said that staring i'm like oh yeah i would do that yeah oh the fuzz out yeah. The, like blur out i'm like yeah i hated my company and i was starving yeah yeah um I, so i currently have a roommate and he was like do you ever do do you ever stare and i was like what, what? and he's like oh like a like a stare uh, like a staring meditation like you just stare <laughs> my so, guy that's called dissociation yeah. <laughs> like, he's like i was thinking about it. i was thinking about it. <laughs> we got to this whole conversation about sandwiches but he was like he's like i was thinking about roast beef sandwiches and i was like are you trying to manifest a sandwich (laughs) (laughs) he's trying to get you to make him a sandwich i was like you can just get one and he's like no i want to i want to start a company for sandwiches and i was like okay i mean that's cool and then we got into a whole thing about north shore here's my question how much marijuana is this man consuming quite a bit yeah Yeah. (laughs) sounds like it I was manifesting a sandwich business. Yeah. He's been crushing that, cow. Actually, that would be a great business is you just come in, think about it, and it is presented. Yeah. Crushing cow. Crushing cow. As a sandwich company. Yeah. Crushing cow. And dude, it's vegan. 25 years. Dude, crushing cow for 25 years. Yeah. <laughs> I've been eating sandwiches 25 years. <laughs> Let me tell you. I know a little something about crushing cow. <laughs> I can't. God. I can't. Oh my God. Um, anyways, I love this conversation. Well, I'm so enjoying myself. Thank you for I, having me. I really, do, I do want to talk about um, yeah. your sobriety. If you're comfortable talking yeah. about it, your sobriety and like, you know, getting to that point mm-hmm. and you've just like, I've, I've known you a short time, but I feel like in that short time, I've learned a lot about you and have, and have learned of your growth and kind of like where you are today and Mm -hmm. you have like a a newsletter right yeah on sobriety yeah so um i write a newsletter called newly sober um jenny i met jenny through my ex-fiance's brother's best friend's instagram story she was wearing like an amazing 
yellow robe that I now own that I bought yeah. from her. Um, it's a weird trajectory. It's a weird family yeah, tree. I was trying to, I'm trying, I got lost. Yeah. I got lost in so the journey of that So a friend one. of a friend, and yeah. I literally was like, who is that woman? I need yeah. to know her. And I just kind of like, and I was... Mm. You manifested. Jenny. I did. I did. did you just move back. To yeah, you? dude. I was like really newly sober when I met yeah. you, and so it was kind of this weird thing because I knew the mutual friend through my ex. Yeah, and then also I was meeting you, and like I feel like we've we're very like close friends very quickly. Yeah. Um. I remember also too before like earlier on when him and I had like just started, he was like because uh, we were talking about fashion he's like I have this really fashionable friend Paulina mm-hmm. and he's like he's like we would look he said we would look so cool walking down the street in New York Aww. together and I was like oh yeah and then he showed me photos I was like yeah she's got great fashion sense that's really sweet yeah. to hear thank you for telling me that yeah because but I hope he fucking does <laughs> no I'm kidding oh. that guy oh, he's great no he's, he's I mean I have hopes but yeah for he's, he's got greatness. some shit to sort out <laughs> as do all those yeah. men in that that region oh southern men southern men yeah well so yeah i had just like seen how you dress and and i think for me um like growing up my mom was like very much in control of like the length of my hair and she started getting my hair highlighted in fifth grade and like i couldn't wear vertical stripes and you know like i was very obsessed with like fitting into Mm -hmm. this model and then when i got to college it was very much like more of like kind of like dark masculine aesthetic and then now i think like you know i tried to do the new york all black thing and mm-hmm. it's just not where it doesn't fit me and i, that I southern california came busting it out. did I, and so now i'm back in california um so basically what happened is i was driving from new york to new orleans to spend christmas with my ex-fiance's family and um we ran out of weed and um over the course of three days he went into active withdrawal and became like verbally combative suicidal and aggressive and um i had a panic attack in alabama gas station day three and outside hour outside of uh new orleans and now i'm sober um yeah like someone uh, someone said recently to me that like your bottom is when you're farthest from who you're supposed to be or who you're supposed to become and like i wasn't supposed to be engaged to a man an antinatalist who I was trying, he was trying to convince me not to want to have children. Um, and it drove him insane. And I, I really don't have resentment against him. Um, like being engaged to him was miserable. Um, but I don't have resentment because it got me to here. Yeah. And you know, it just kind of accelerated what was already like has always been in me. Like I've always been addictive. I've always been an alcoholic, like even when I was a kid. Um, And I think, you know, ice skating was sort of this positive channel for me to, you know, be addicted to starving myself and exercising, Mm -hmm. right? Like I had sort of like positive um, outlets. Um, But so I started this newsletter, Newly Sober, because I was finding it difficult to find content about being newly sober and all the sort of like, um, like alcoholism, alcoholism memoirs and there's no weed addiction memoirs which hopefully I will be that uh I will start that genre but um Mm -hmm. it was all very sort of like routinized in terms of how it was discussed Mm -hmm. and for me so I have my MFA in nonfiction creative writing and so like I love memoir like I've been quote-unquote writing a memoir since I was 23 and thank god it has not come out because it would have been bad yeah that's (laughs) yeah as somebody who worked in publishing who had to put who had to do publicity for books written by people in their 30s who's their memoirs yeah I agree yeah don't put out a memoir in your 30s motherfuckers you are not ready yeah yeah (laughs) yeah true and and you know I think like I've had a lot of really weird 
life experience, mm-hmm. but also at the same time, like you have to have distance both emotionally and temporally in order to write something well. Yeah. And thankfully, you know, I was in an MFA program and they'd be like, you don't have distance. I was like, what do you mean? Like, I have so much perspective on this. Like, uh, what the fuck are you talking about? Uh-huh. And now I'm like, I had no fucking perspective. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, you have perspective when you say things like, what the fuck are you talking yeah. about? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's the best place to write from. I think yeah. <laughs> I always write from a place of rage. Well, and, but uh, that's spite. good for comedy yeah. for a memoir. Like, mm, <laughs> like you have to like trust the person's judgment. And my judgment was bad. Um, and so, yeah, I started this newsletter mostly as like, I was trying to write a Substack newsletter and I was doing like a quote unquote memoir one, but like it didn't really have focus. And also I was like, chugging weed day and night mm. like during the pandemic i was like smoking and like playing 12, 12 hours of sims a day and like the perk of the day was writing like a character description for the families i made up you know like oh. yeah i was like yeah. not i was trying to escape right i could mm-hmm. i was dissociating through a virtual reality which i'm yep. sure a lot of people relate to um i'm ready for the sims addiction book that you're gonna write. dude yeah. yeah, I'm sure Sims is probably a real, a yeah. very real addiction for I a lot of people. I'm sure. Second Life, you know, yeah. like there's a really cool documentary about um, it's I think it's on HBO Max about like people going to Second Life and like having virtual relationships. And the whole documentary is like in the virtual sphere and like these communities that exist. So I recommend that. I don't remember what it's called. I have such mixed feelings about that. Yeah. Like I know people who have had they, they credit having like being involved in a second life kind of situation um with having personal growth come as a result of Mm. it but i also of course i can't help but always imagine the like negative side of it of somebody like completely losing themselves in this fake world while still having lots of real problems just happening in the real world that they're not addressing because they've given their anyway that's well i think think it's kind of like when i hear people be like oh no like uh drinking on stage makes me perform better oh, right. i'm like yeah. okay mm-hmm. i i can believe it but yeah. also i can believe that you are clearly masking something that if right. you just work on it you'll perform better sober and exponentially better than you ever would have drunk yeah yeah the right pers- the personal growth aspect is right there it's yeah right there yeah yeah i mean it's it's interesting too because like when I so part of the artist way like she says be sober right and I did mm-hmm. it not sober multiple times but then this past January when I was you know I was leading a group through the artist way I got sober December 22nd 2022 and two weeks later I was leading a group through the artist way wow. which was like I had planned it months before you know I was like sure. this is how I'm gonna make income this winter you know yeah um, but it ended up being a really beautiful experience because not I was like going to recovery meetings and doing artist way and um I really think creativity when we outsource it, we do ourselves a disservice. Right. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And so like, I was like, you know, getting up and then being like, I just want to smoke. Like if I smoke, then I can write. Like if I smoke, I'll write. And like, if I smoke, I'll write. And then I would smoke and then I'd be like, I can't write. Right. Yeah, yeah. And so like, that's just addiction. Yeah. Right. Like, like you can justify it any way you want to and be like, I'm more creative when I'm stoned. And like, I do think that like getting stoned did help me kind of think about things and unearth things that I wasn't willing to touch or talk about. Sure. Right. Um, in my early twenties, I dated a personal trainer who lived at home who introduced me to marijuana. Um, I was late when it came to substance abuse, like yeah. 18 yeah. and then weed at like 23. Um, 
and uh, I went fast and furious. Um, I made it for lost time. And I would get stoned and just like talk through every single trauma I've ever had. And my ex-boyfriend or my boyfriend then at the time would get really angry because he was a get stoned and dissociate. And so I would just be like, yeah, this one time my mom, blah, 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 blah. And he was just like, he would wake up the next day and be like, you ruined my high. Like he was an asshole. But (laughs) (laughs) your trauma ruined my high. Basically. Okay. (laughs) Well, we for our one year anniversary, we went to um, Boulder. And he had had to drop out of school because of his marijuana addiction. And so we went to Boulder and he was like, don't tell my parents who are paying for this hotel room that we're smoking. And it was like my first time getting super stoned with like a Pax. And he was getting resentful because I was getting higher than him. Mm. So that was, and then I stayed for two years. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Wait, in Boulder in the relationship? Uh, (laughs) I wish Boulder... Yeah, one of the things that like I'm thinking about with this is that it, so like weed addiction is such an interesting concept in itself because you know people will always be like oh well cannabis is not an addictive drug and it's like well it's not I think that's a misunderstanding of what addiction actually mm-hmm. is and what addiction really looks like because there's you know I, I remember being in college and I dated somebody who was absolutely addicted to weed mm-hmm. but it was not because cannabis is is like you know it, itself the giver of the addiction it's the habit it's mm. the um there's so much more to it than just it like being that yeah well i i really think that the rhetoric used to legalize marijuana is backfiring because mm-hmm. now everyone's yeah. convinced that it's medicine mm-hmm. that it's magic and that it's like gonna cure all your problems also too tech got involved like uh, the well, te- tech just like fucking destroys everything it touches yeah well, this is the thing is it can be medicine right like it can be all of those yeah. things but it also it, but but i agree with you like it's funny like i remember when hemp i guess it was like when hemp was legalized or whatever it was mm-hmm. uh, cbd when cbd was mm-hmm. legalized or that it, that it started showing up. Like I remember going to a DSW to I don't know buy shoes or some shit, and there was CBD lotion for sale at the no front, like way. at the register, yeah. and I was like, "Don't be buying some DSW CBD <laughs> lotion," you know. The free market is evil. Yeah, it's just like. There can be truth to it, but let's not snake oil the shit out of this thing. And I feel like I see that definitely with both cannabis and with with uh, CBD, any mm-hmm. of those things. I mean, you can do that with anything. Yeah. Well, I also I can probably name one person that I know who can actually moderate their weed consumption. Mm-hmm. Like I, I think that people who think they don't have a problem are often people who are actually daily smokers. Mm-hmm. And I think one like, you know, I, I don't shame anybody like. I wish that I could be a, a normal weed person, but I'm an addict. I'm an alcoholic. Like yeah, I will take sure. anything to the nth degree. Yeah. Um, so I need complete abstinence. Yeah. But I, and I don't even necessarily know if like weed itself is not addictive. I don't like I don't know. Like and I for me, I was addicted. So mm-hmm. I don't know if it's just that like I have the predisposition. I definitely have that gene. Um, but, you know, like I saw someone changing lanes and vaping on the freeway. Right. And it's like that's addiction right yeah. like where you're driving and you're just like i want to make this better i want to mm-hmm. not be here and and i think really when it comes to substance use of any kind like it's it's sort of the ritual of it right where it's like if you're using it in a purposeful manner if you're using it like it's ceremoniously like mm-hmm. that to me makes sense right in the psychedelics whatever it is but i don't know many people who are using it in a way of like connection you know mm-hmm. like for a lot of people it's a point of dissociation that's true. Yeah. I mean, I definitely, 
I mean, I know that there are people who do. I mean, I know people who do yeah. who are doing it in those like actual like they're very intentional about it. Yeah, I'm not a big. I don't have addiction personally. I'm lucky. Like yeah. it doesn't run in my family. It's not genetic. Yeah. Whatever of alcohol or drugs or anything like dare worked on me it's like yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean you also were like very christian too. i was back in the day mm, yeah. yeah so that helps but like it doesn't help now because i'm not any of those things that's anymore, true right yeah. but like it just doesn't it's not my drug of choice my drug of choice uh is uh carbs and mm. cannabis and mm. cheese. Yeah. Mm. those are mine yeah i mean not cannabis sorry uh caffeine caffeine uh, carbs and so I'm more of a food and addict. cheese the and three cheese. the yeah. three the three C's, C's, baby caffeine cheese and carbs baby yeah yeah but yeah. like so it's not like I can look I I'm I think it's really interesting that different people have uh, predisposition to certain things though too and there mm-hmm. are there's genetic components of mm-hmm. that and there's a lot that goes into that too yeah definitely yeah I I you know uh so my my ex-fiance introduced me to dabs, which, oh. which if you're using dabs, you're an addict. Like I like, there's no way around it. Right. Mm. First yeah. time I did a dab, I felt my soul leave my body. And then I projectile vomited onto the couch and the dog. And then I shook in the bathtub for three hours. And that was not my last time, you know? Yeah. And yeah. like a normal person would be like, wow, I'm never going to do that again. Yeah. And for me, it was like, I ran out of butter, I ran out of edibles. Like, let's scrape the resin and, you know, ingest the dust, you know? And, um, and so uh, joints are 18% THC, dabs are 80% THC. Insane. Yeah. And so, and, and then too, like, you know, I think there is benefit to being legalized because now people are not being incarcerated for it. Right. But also at the same time, it's like, just because it's hyper-specialized, just because there's like a connoisseur handing it to you doesn't mean it's not a mind-altering substance right i mean treat it like a cigarette right like it's it's cigarettes it's your choice to do it but it's still i'm so nervous about my lungs dude like i'm afraid of what like my five years of just like Mm. vaping and smoke and just like gross ass shit like it didn't even feel it felt horrible like it tasted like gasoline sometimes because i was like there's only a little bit of resin left like you know and it's like vaping scares me because we don't have all the history no we don't know what's going to happen and people have been like yeah you could get popcorn lung, which sounds fun, <laughs> but it's not. No, Your it's lungs not literally disintegrate. Yeah. So. Not delicious. Yeah. Um, you know, I think the other thing, too, is like, and we, as we talk about addiction, I think it's really important people understand, too, that even when you talk about addiction plainly, understanding that there's like a human in that. Yeah. You know, like I have a lot of I don't have the genetic predisposition predisposition for being a drug addict or an alcoholic or any of those things, but there are addicts in my family or Mm -hmm. addiction runs in my family. Mm -hmm. And so like, I still try to see the person there as a human who's hurting, who's dealing, who's, who's just trying to, you know, make it like just trying to survive. And, and a lot of that is like self-medicating or whatever. And dissociation is in its own way can be a self-medicating or a survival mechanism. Right. Like, I mean, it's only been nine months, you know what I mean? Like I was that person not that long ago. And I guess like for me, it's just like, I think my sobriety is really an act of divine intervention. Like I didn't really Mm -hmm. think I was going to like get sober, move home and break up an engagement before the age of 30, you know, like 29 has been like the longest year of my fucking life. Mm -hmm. Like, um, and more of it's just like, I feel like the reason I feel so compelled to write about this and talk about this is like one, I don't hear this conversation happening and that's always been the impetus behind my writing, right? Like when I was in college, I was writing about my eating disorder recovery. I was writing about body positivity. Mm -hmm. Um, and then I was like, I'm going to be a comedian. And then I was like, this isn't 
enough. And so then I like <laughs> went back to school to do nonfiction creative writing. And so like my, my sort of like driving principle as an artist is like, what are we not talking about? Mm-hmm. And I feel like marijuana addiction, like because people are like, well, marijuana is not addictive or whatever it is. Like I was fully like 24 seven addicted to marijuana. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'm here to be like, it's real. Like we exist, you know, yeah, sure. but yeah, but really when it comes down to it, I just, you know, I'm so much happier. Like the, the happiness that I was chasing mm. was impossible mm. when I was smoking weed every day. And someone told me that weed um, clouds your intuition and closes your third eye. Oh. And for me, it was like, oh, I had to smoke to stay in my relationship. Like this man is screaming about antinatalism at me every day. Like I, I wrote a teen guide to consent with my dad and the day it was published, I came home and I was, I walked into his studio and he was like, I need you to rethink having children because I can't make it ethical. And I really need you to reconsider because I, and I was just like, I like my, my eyes went down to the floor and I was just like happy pub day to me. Yeah. And he was like, happy pub day. And then we like continued on and I like took a dab and dissociated on the couch and it's like, oh, I did drugs to stay yeah. because yeah. what felt familiar yep. was comfortable, but what was familiar was actively destroying me. Like I was so far from who I was supposed to be. Yeah. And so, you know, through getting sober, which is like, again, my dad's Dr. Drew, like I, I wanted to do drugs and be cool about it like for 11 years and mm-hmm. I, I was telling myself I was and yet like now I'm sober and I'm just like, shit, one, my dad's right. Fuck. <laughs> Isn't that the worst? It's the worst. Oh, it's the worst it's when the they're worst. right. Oh, it man. sucks. It so sucks. And and two is just like, I am like so much happier. Like, yes, it was so fucking hard. Like, I wasn't happy for six months, yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, but now I like I am a, a version of myself that I thought I was, but I was hiding behind the scrim of use right like there was a distortion between who I was and who I thought I was what are your coping things now like what what does that look like for you now um I interesting I go to recovery meetings every day yeah um I call other sober alcoholics Mm -hmm. um I I do morning pages I have a lot of like spiritual routine Mm -hmm. um and um yeah, I think also regular exercise, but not like super rigorous, like punishing exercising, yeah. like my childhood. Um, just sort of like this, the things that people tell you are healthy. And I'm like, fuck these motherfuckers. Oh, yeah. Like just even just like the body movement for even like a half an hour. Mm-hmm. You're just like, mm-hmm. I guess I do feel better. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That and like, um, I think, you know, uh, a big one is like just the 10 minutes of meditation silence. Yeah. yeah. You can feel your brain start to go a little like fuzzy when yeah. it's, when you haven't been doing it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like all that spiritual cl- cleaning shit, it's all, it's all real. Yeah, it really <laughs> is. Such a bummer. It really is. And you know, like meetings have been so instrumental. Like they say that like connection is the opposite of addiction and like the community that I feel in my life. Like I'm not, mm-hmm. I'm no longer doing a dab and playing Sims, right? Like my yeah. community are like actual people. Like I'm able to be like, Oh, that, that broad has the coolest robe on I've ever seen. Like I feel, I feel like I can reach out and show up and be like, wow, that's someone that I want to connect with. And then, mm-hmm. you know, here we are. Like, what was that like? What month Three was that? Months? That was uh, June. Was it June? It was June, yeah. Wow, feels longer. Yeah. Like a lot happens in a sober day. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I mean, this isn't to say that, like I have like so many friends who aren't sober, you know? Like, sure. And it's, and it's not that like, you know, sober or bust, but right. I just have found sobriety to be so beautiful and so beyond my wildest conception. And, tr- and it just like, 
if I if I heard myself like I kind of want to do a piece where I like have a conversation between like stoned Paulina and like sober Paulina. <laughs> yeah. Because I was That'd having be a so interesting. Yeah. Because huh? I was having a conversation with my dad about how like um, when you use weed, it like sort of over like it can temporarily sort of um, bind to your pain receptors and relieve pain, mm. but it actually overstimulates your pain receptors, and so you're actually in more pain as a result of it, sort of like an opiate. Mm. And so I was having like crazy back pains, like crazy all this stuff, and we were having conversation. He was like, you know, we couldn't have had this conversation like six months ago, mm-hmm. and it was like, oh my god, like here I am within my family, like the addiction specialist. You know what I mean? Yeah. And yeah. and I was I could not hear it, and and I think sort of the the kind of nefariousness of weed is that you're capable of complex thought but you're not capable of nuance or hearing other perspectives and so yeah you can convince yourself of your own intellectual rigor but you're actually hyper fixated on something that no one else is like concerned about like antinatalism right yeah. and it's like no i'm actually concerned about the fact that i do your laundry walk your dog and pay most of the bills um the kids stuff i'm not that fucking worried about i'm worried about you screaming in my face all the time yeah. you know and like you know he sent me an email six like in june july being like now that i'm on the other side of things and like wanted to correct what i was saying about antinatalism that in fact um he wasn't saying that i could never have children but that when well okay (laughs) rewind my bottom was when i got him to new orleans and he said i i'll go to rehab if pauline promises never to procreate oh that is such an addict fucked up and also yeah number one such an addict thing to be like well i'm just gonna push this on to someone else yeah and number two what a fucked up weird thing to say to you that is so controlling and so just after three days of terrorizing him in car yeah yikes and so um his whole email was like i wasn't saying that you could never procreate i was saying that if i came back from rehab and we had a life together then you could never procreate Mm. um i've heard you say this on popular podcasts i just want to clarify the narrative and i'm like (laughs) (laughs) and i was just so immediately Uh, floored because i'm direct quoting him right like and at the end of the day i do feel gratitude to him but also at the same time it was just such utter insanity Yeah. yeah and it's like that's addiction right where it was like I'm I'm also an addict like yeah. I was playing along you know like I'm yeah. not innocent but at the same time it's like months later he thinks we broke up because of the children stuff yeah. when in fact it's because he terrorized me for three days and yeah. I thought I was gonna die you know like yeah. and so you know I have a lot of empathy and sympathy because I've experienced it mm-hmm. um, but again there's just this blindness yeah one of the things I'm wondering about too is like the concept of like identifying as an addict, mm. you know, like the idea that addict is an identity mm. feels like really dangerous territory to me f- to some extent because it's that idea that like w- there's so much stigma around what it means to be an addict. Mm-hmm. I wonder if you think about that or if you like, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah. I, I saw a tweet um, I, over the summer that was talking about like um, people first language of like someone who suffers with substance abuse disorder. Right. Um, and for me, like I actually feel a lot of pride in being an addict because mm. I think a lot of people suffer with it. And again, it's like, I had an eating disorder. I uh, suffer with depression. Um, you know, I've suffered with alcohol and like addiction. And so like these terms that I think are inherently quote unquote shameful, I, I try to sort of, I don't know, reclaim in a certain way. Mm, yeah. Um, yeah. Because being a sober alcoholic, being a sober addict, like 
I just, I guess for me, the language doesn't change the experience. Yeah. But I can understand how for some people, like, I guess if what it comes down to is when I was in my addiction saying Paulina has substance abuse disorder or calling me an addict wouldn't have changed a thing. Mm, Right. I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have identified Mm -hmm. either way. Mm -hmm. Um, So I can understand how the term of addict can be alienating, but I think being a sober addict, I want to show that it's like, it's not, it, it is a, I mean, in recovery rooms, they frame it as a disease, but it is something that like you can work through, you can, mm-hmm. r- you know, work with. Yeah. Um, and so I understand why it's stigmatized and I understand the hesitation, but it's like at the end of the day, like uh, marijuana use disorder or marijuana addict, I would have been like, I don't have a problem. I don't smoke that much, yeah. you know? Yeah. yeah. Um, so I hear that, but I think I'm, I'm kind of like, you know what? It's kind of nice to like reclaim the thing that like, is really stigmatized, yeah. you know? Yeah. So, yeah. but I, I, if people do have a problem with it, I like, I'm like, yeah, like if, if I know that about you, I won't call you an addict. You know what right. I mean? Sure, sure, sure. Yeah. Yeah. What I also, is, oh, well, okay. I was going to say someone who is, who is so closely related and you understand of like yeah. being so closely related to yep. addicts. I may not be an addict in the same way, but it's like, it almost feels like, um, and maybe it's a little bit selfish, but if I were to call the family member in my life a substance abuse, what was it? Uh, uh, some, a person with substance abuse substance disorder. Substance abuse disorder. It it would almost feel like a um, like a uh, what's the word? Do you feel like it's trivializing? It what? trivializes yeah. it. It's like it's like no, it you're you're an it. addict, and like your addiction and the way that you you behave through that addiction. You have to understand the consequences it has on yourself and it has on other people because addiction is not a singular. It's just me. Mm-hmm. Like it's no, it's community. Yeah, it, it's it's well, everything. It's, so. it's hard, though, too, at the same time. Right. Because like addiction. Sorry. I know. I feel like I'm like the I'm like pushing back, but I'm not. No, I'm no, no like, I, I appreciate this conversation because you know? I also like I'm in recovery rooms like I'm all, yeah. I'm, all, I'm with other addicts. You yeah. know what I mean? Like people self-identify as an alcoholic or an addict. And so it's right. actually like helpful to have this conversation with people who don't suffer from this right. or, or, or do have proximity right yeah. like because yeah. it is a it's a family disease it's a communal disease it and is. like it is um i think yeah because when you're in your addiction you're a fucking addict like yeah but also at the same time like if if i was like a, a social worker and i came up to that person and i was like so i hear you suffer from substance abuse disorder like would that be helpful or harmful right like yeah. maybe it would yeah. make them feel humanized but also at the same time it's like that kind of minifies minimizes behavior right yeah it's yeah. so tricky because it's like addiction itself is such a uh difficult beast right mm-hmm. like i w- i think of addiction this is a not a one-to-one comparison but it's the way that I talk about being somebody who has depression. Mm -hmm. Like I never say like, I'm a depressive. (laughs) (laughs) I'm a fucked up person. You know, maybe I'm a mess maybe, uh, you know, but I don't say like I'm a depressive, but I will say like, Oh, I have depression. And Mm -hmm. the way that I talk about what my depression looks like, I was just having this conversation conversation with someone the other day of, um, I treat it like, Uh, the depression demon has walked in the room and she sits down with me and she says, guess what? I'm running the show now. Mm. I'm going to run the show for a little while. And I don't know how long, I don't know when I'm going to let you take the reins again. Like, I feel like addiction is actually very similar. Like I think of addiction as more like it's the demon running the show. You've got an addiction demon taken over, like actually makes sense from like, Maybe this is my 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 Christian history, (laughs) but like the demon, like it it is something that has always worked for me and sort of understanding it because it is this thing that is like both 
it has taken it's like it's it's you it's part of you but it's not all of you yeah and so like i wish i do i think like for me at least in terms of the language like i don't know if any of those things are perfect ways of talking about it because it's like i see you as like i love the way you said like i wish i could talk to like sober have a conversation between sober paulina and like we had addicted paulina because like at the same time that like they are different people mm-hmm. and you're both and they're both you. Yes. And I just feel like that it's like we still haven't quite, in my opinion, like I think we still haven't quite gotten there with the language of like how we actually talk about that. Because say like Paulina, who had a, a, a substance abuse problem, also doesn't feel it, it also feels very clinical and it doesn't. Yeah. It, in some ways, to me, clinical language can be a little dehumanizing. Yes. Too. Yes. So. Yeah. Well, so I, I teach this four week workshop called Writing the Body and we focus on the themes mm. of pain, hunger and sex sexuality um and um elaine scary has this book called the body and pain it's a very academic approach to pain and she talks about how um the very nature of pain obliterates language um and how that that is true as someone who deals with chronic pain yeah yeah Yeah. and to have pain is to have certainty but to hear someone else's pain is to have doubt yeah and unless you've experienced that pain yourself only then can you really truly understand Mm -hmm. um which but then i think you know Mm -hmm. to sort of push back on lane scary like what is the role of empathy here right like Mm. um can empathy eclipse that but also at the same time like when we talk about pain we have to be sort of metaphorical or we have to like use Mm -hmm. image or sort of violent Mm -hmm. language but like um the very nature of pain takes us to sort of a primal state of being where it's like guttural, you know, like it is in the same way that like being horny can make you dumb, like being pain can turn you into a baby, Mm -hmm. you know? And so Mm -hmm. in that way, like language is just insufficient sometimes. That's like a, I mean, I I love that you said that. That's because that is actually how I think about it. And what you say of like uh, pain makes you into a baby. Mm -hmm. Like it is, it is like that with like the people who I have, who I love, who um, have struggled with addiction Mm -hmm. are, people where it is it you you watch it happen and it does it takes over and it's hard because you can especially if you're close to it if you're in the proximity of that person and they matter so much to you they're like, in pain it's hard not to judge them it's hard not to be angry like all of your feelings are still valid yeah and and they're directed at that person for very understandable reasons and also addiction as it's in its own right is like it's like a demon right? yeah it's like a thing that possesses them and it's running the show yeah and so it's a really hard thing because it's like you almost have to I don't know I don't know I'm really curious what you think about this but I always I've I, the place that I've come to is this place of like you kind of just have to treat them like they're in there somewhere mm-hmm. but they're not present Mm, i don't mm. know i don't know it's hard it's really hard because like when i was in my addiction and someone like it's a time and place right like for sure for sure for sure like uh, no one ever was like you're an addict because no one really knew the extent to how much i was smoking because Mm -hmm. like i think that's sort of like weed can get isolating and like um yeah I, I, well and functioning people who are who are have you know functioning addiction is is a thing you can't right? be very high functioning on oh that, i was right? i was yeah. like teaching i was doing stuff but i also wasn't leaving my apartment you know like yeah yeah like it's it's easy to convince yourself of your functionality yeah um yeah and absolutely it's but you're also like scraping by yeah you know it's like well i have to smoke to go to the grocery store and it's like well when you go to the grocery store sober you also can go to the grocery store, you know, but it's like, yeah. oh no, I have to do this thing because I'm obsessing about it. And if I don't do this thing, then I won't feel quote unquote normal. Mm-hmm. And because I'm so used to being stoned all the time. Right. And that was kind of the weirdest thing when I first got sober was like, oh, I, 
I can drive at any time. Mm-hmm. You know, like, oh, mm-hmm. I have these, sw- I, I, I had counted so much time for being stoned yes. that all of a sudden I was like, oh, I, if an emergency happens, I can drive, you yeah. know? Yeah. Um, wow. I mean, once again, it, I, I, don't, I don't mean to keep coming back to this, yeah. but like, it does make me think of, again, that like demon kind of thing in a weird way. I, the thing that I'm going to equate this to doesn't, is silly, but we like silliness here. So yeah, I we think do. of like how, when I leave my apartment and I stay somewhere where my dog doesn't come with me, mm. I will still open doors as though a dog might run out that door. You know, and there's little things like that. And you have that moment where then you go, oh, the dog's not here. I can just open the door. And Yo. there is this like, uh, of course, I feel sad that my dog's not there. But then I'm also like, Whew, I'm good. <laughs> I'm safe. You know, like whatever. It's I, there's that like little moment of recognition of like, oh, things are different now in this. And and that's a really interesting empowering thing that I hadn't really thought about like the concept there though that seems so important is like the concept of trust Mm. so do you feel like in that moment when you have those moments are you recognizing that you can trust yourself a little bit more that's the whole thing Hmm. I mean I think especially too as someone who was taught not to trust my hunger that's like our base impulse and I think a lot of women and and, you know I'm sure men as well are non non non-binary gender non-conforming people but like primarily women like we're taught not to trust our hunger and I think that that is our base intuition and so you know if I wasn't if I didn't learn how to trust my hunger how could I trust myself in any capacity right Mm -hmm. and so I am learning how to trust myself and also through trusting myself. So the the sort of central tenet of the teen guide to consent that I wrote with my dad is TCB, trust, compassion, boundaries. If you trust mm. yourself, have compassion for yourself and know your own boundaries, then you can trust someone else, offer them compassion and respect their boundaries. And that is the reason I got on my relationship is because he was screaming at me about antinatalism while I was driving and I realized I didn't trust him anymore. Uh-huh. And then I was like, oh, the trust, the blind trust is gone, right? Mm. Which yeah. is why like, I had doled it over so quickly oh he's showing me no compassion by screaming at me and I've asked him to stop yelling at me multiple times and he's not respecting my boundaries Boundaries, and so I had for months been like on podcasts and live streams and Dr. Oz to talk about TCB Mm -hmm. and you know in very sort of like elemental terms but it took until my relationship severed for me to actually hear what I was telling people right and like now I I don't just talk the talk I walk the walk right like I'm not an imposter like the way in which I discuss what I do is true right because I do trust myself and I do again like sort of thinking about like weed blinding your intuition like I I trust my intuition I hear Mm -hmm. my intuition right Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and again like you know eating disorder recovery was really based in intuitive eating. Um, but also like during the pandemic, I would do a bong rip and then vomit into the sink because I had hyperadramesis, which is what happens when you smoke too much weed. You literally start chronic vomiting. But again, because vomiting is familiar for me, like it was like, Oh, well, you know, I was coughing so hard. Yeah. Yeah. But it's like, you know, again, I just kind of like keep coming back to this concept of like comfort and familiarity. Like just yeah. because it's comfortable, just because it's familiar doesn't mean it's not actively killing you. Mm, yeah. Um, and yeah, I think that's, I think that is a, yeah. that is a huge thing for a lot of people is like familiarity does not mean safe, safe mm-hmm. in any way. And mm-hmm. especially to, you know, growing up, not trusting yourself, having a, a, a culture and a family that tells you, what to eat right. you're not hungry you're not right. thirsty you're not that doesn't look good on you. whatever it yeah. is right and yeah. so so then what do you do is but give up trust yeah that really and talks yourself out of, up yeah and you talk yourself out of hearing your own oh shit my, 
all, yeah. the, oh, all the time. time. I, when you said uh, growing up in a family that tells you you're not hungry, you're not thirsty. I mean, like, man, those are like the basic sh- things that. Yeah. And I can relate to that. Like, yeah. oh, you're not hungry. Well, maybe I wasn't hungry, but I felt like I needed something right now. Yeah. Or whatever. Yeah. Like there's there's a lot to that. Uh, wow. Ooh, yeah. And it's yeah. Just, especially too, like with, you know, just even I'm sure you felt it like with smoking weed, like mm-hmm. disassociation is comfortable and you were doing it as a kid. Yep. Mm-hmm. And weed was just like another form, uh, an easier. It was the highway. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. It you was, were mm-hmm. dick taking the side streets as a kid. Now you got the super highway to yeah. get to disassociation. Yeah. How familiar and wonderful is that? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. it's well, too. Like, I think when I first really was doing weed is like I could smoke and then eat whatever I wanted. Right. Without uh-huh. the shame and guilt. Uh-huh. And I really want to write an essay about like the connection between weed and hunger because like obviously if you're a cancer patient and you can't eat like yeah smoke weed eat something like please Mm -hmm. for the love of god Mm -hmm. enjoy yourself have a good time um but for someone who you know did quote-unquote intuitive eating recovery work and then was like oh i'm in touch with my hunger when i smoke Mm -hmm. weed it's like no you're actually like your hunger cues aren't present like No, it's it's like you're literally turning it off and becoming sort of a vacuous a vacuum. And then the next day you wake up with sort of the, the feelings of what you consumed when true intuitive eating is about like, how does this feel? Mm-hmm. What am I craving? Like, mm-hmm. you know, do I need more protein or whatever? And um, yeah, so I, I did a um, like a nutrition education course with she's my personal trainer, but she's amazing. And it was actual nutritional information. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, mm-hmm. like. Yeah this is what a macro you know right. just like and it, none of it was diet advice you right. know what i mean and so whenever i hear about nutritional whatever or someone's like this is my exact diet i'm like shut the fuck up i don't want to hear it <laughs> yeah. like give yeah. me the tools and information that i need to make choices for myself you right. know right so it's all interesting <laughs> yeah i mean this has been such an interesting like dynamic conversation because i think I, I mean addiction is such a it's such a mealy beast you know like it really is something where there's so many layers to it there's so many uh, difficult conversations around it and difficult ways in which we deal with it or don't deal with it or you know yeah so I really appreciate you digging in with us mm-hmm. I'm so I'm I just I think you're both so wonderful and Aww. like I, I also wonderful. yeah I mean yeah. I also think like fashion too like it, it is all about listening to my intuition mm-hmm. it's like what the fuck do mm-hmm. I want to wear today you know yeah. like and, you know, as a kid, I didn't get to make those choices. And so now it's like, you know, the floor length, red, orange, yellow, pink, furry coat is yeah. like the most enticing thing I can do. And like so much of how I practice my intuition daily is like, what do I want to wear mm-hmm. and how do I want to present in the world today? And I think, you know, it's liberating to be able to actually execute a vision yeah, be- based on how you feel. And whether that's like eating, you know, I got like a Niçoise salad at like an expensive Hollywood fucking coffee shop, but it was exactly what I was like, fuck it. I'll pay $19. Like I actually really want this. And like, I had a really satisfying shit and like, (laughs) you know, thank God I could listen to my body, you know? Um, and so I just like, I think that the work that you both do is like so important in terms of just like, I mean, ethically sourced clothing and also like size inclusive clothing as well. And like making bitches laugh. And, you know, I think that there's just like when we are in touch with what we love, we end up pursuing our purpose. Well, do you know why I got into ethical fashion? Mm -mm. 
because I was trying to heal myself from my own fashion addiction. Literally, I was shopping every week. I was going to stores like, you know, either fast fashion places or places like Ross or TJ Maxx or whatever, trying to find a new outfit so I could keep up with the Joneses. And that was the thing is that I, my credit card bill suffered. I did not make enough money to, to live already. And I was just literally li- like, putting a credit card down and buying things I couldn't afford. Yeah. So yeah. that oh, was really. Second. What's up, buddy? What up? How you doing? We're having a podcast, motherfucker. Shut the fuck up. Lily, <laughs> 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 you were waiting. Wait, were you outside smoking and waiting? Yeah. Oh, no. No. Oh, okay. okay. <laughs> All right. We'll cut this part okay, out. Okay, cool. All right, well, we'll, we'll be done soon. Yeah, we're, we're wrapping up. That's Tom. That's Crushing Cow. Crushing uh, Cow, Crushing Tom. Cow sandwiches. Crushing a cow. Yeah. Um, anyway, yeah, I mean, that was the thing is it was like, a, it was a, an addiction that wait, I... Wait, start that over so I can get a clean cut. No, just that just, it was an addiction. Start that part <laughs> just so I can get a clean cut. Uh, it was an addiction. And it was just one of those things where I remember hearing an interview on the radio with an author who just written a book about fast fashion and how terrible the fashion industry was for the planet and for the people who make her clothes. And I was like, well, fuck, now that I've listened to this, something's got to change. And it was the combination of listening to that interview and also being and listen, reading the first chapter of her book about how she didn't even, the first thing she does is she goes into her closet, takes everything out and she lays it all out on the floor and she counts everything and she's like I have this I cannot believe how much clothing I have and wow. I cannot believe how much I don't wear and then it just it was so much it was it was like somebody like really just like hit me in the head yeah the two by four and was like wake up motherfucker this is you you know yeah. but that's a bottom right yeah. like yeah where you're farthest from yourself right yep. where it's like yep. oh I actually am just consuming because I'm trying to fill a hole right and also too I think like when it comes to fashion like we can confuse consumption with satisfaction. Absolutely. So Absolutely. I, I, like I, we're all, I mean, when we're doing things that are our, our purpose, it's often to heal ourselves. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so that's really interesting. Cause yeah. I, I worked at a fashion college in 2019 and I was like really getting into sort of like the concept of fast fashion and like hearing about that. And like, you know, I'm lucky in that like, financially I haven't had to rely on fast fashion like throughout my childhood my mom like buy like an Alice and Olivia prom dress or oh, whatever wow, you know yeah. yeah um but also like I of course have purchased fast fashion right. um but again it's like what am I wearing this for other people or am I wearing this for myself right exactly yeah. and then even there's that space in between of like am I wearing this for myself because I'm trying to make myself feel better mm. or I'm trying to fix something in myself oh, definitely versus, I know, mean it was like so. for a long time for me it was like going to vintage or thrift shops and just buying like I would just buy tchotchke shit like yeah. you can see yeah. up there like that's just stuff and I don't buy like I've kind of stopped just buying stuff because I'm like what what is this purpose like right. unless it's like something that I'm like oh this is truly something that speaks to my heart and soul yeah like whatever I like the menorah it's a good menorah the menorah is amazing great menorah. thank you I yeah. saw um, it and I was like that's a great that's ass menorah that's a great menorah I've seen some menorahs in my time that's a good one <laughs> thank you but like <laughs> yeah like I haven't bought like a weird little tchotchke thing like I looked under my bed the other day I had two 
Dutch ceramic candle holders. Oh, and I was like, my God. what the fuck? Why did I buy this? <laughs> I just like that it's under your bed. It's just under my bed. Yeah. I just like, there's a pair of shoes that are like yeah. a vintage pair of shoes that don't fit me. Like yeah. just little things. And like, I have that giant box of vintage clothing. It's just like, cause especially during the pandemic, it was like, well, I'm going to sell it. I'm going to yep. do that. I'm yep. going to do this with it. I'm yeah. going to do yep. that with it. And yeah. it just like piled and piled to the, where it was like, yeah, I would rather I'd rather just not be surrounded, like be suffocating myself around with stuff. Yeah. And just um, sit with like whatever feelings yeah. and panic I was having. Yeah. During the pandemic and just not have to, you know, shift through shifts. Shift, well, that's what all whatever you get it. Yeah. yeah. It's a connection. Like what a lot of it really is like being honest with yourself. Yeah. And that goes back to what you said of like the trust, compassion, boundaries. Like we violate those things with ourselves all the time. Oh yeah. And that's, so I don't know. That's really interesting. I couldn't look at myself in the mirror. I couldn't even take a selfie. Like mm-hmm. that's how dissociated I was from my reality. Right. Mm-hmm. Where it's like, I, I go through my camera roll and I like look at these pictures from like 2019 to 2022. And like the months preceding getting sober, like, I wasn't there. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. And so what's been beautiful about getting sober is like, I remember the moment in which I could actually look at myself in the eye and be mm. like, Hmm. Okay. Like, yeah. And I think that like, if, if you can't, if it's, if it's painful to look at yourself clearly, I think that's an opportunity to, to recognize that, but then work towards being able to look at yourself clearly. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Whether that's asking for help, whether that's going to a meeting, whether that's like just talking to a friend, you know, like, I think that we can convince ourselves that our pain is invisible when it's so hyper visible on our faces. Yeah. Yeah. I have a rash on my face. Yeah. Like you're going through it. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Lupe just licked my nipples. Very uncomfortable. Lupe was like, mommy's suffering. Mommy's suffering. Lick your nipple. Let her just do her thing right now. (laughs) She's like (laughs) sucking a ghost dick right now. Like, I don't know what is happening. I don't know. She's just anxious. Lupe, stop. Well, Paulina, usually Jenny asks this question, but I want to ask it. Okay. okay. Where can people find you online? Oh, I am M-I-Z Piggy 111 on all social media. Not um, finger bangers. Not finger bangers, which maybe I need to change it. <laughs> Rebrand. Well, you just for a day. Well, just, just for a day. Your, I think on your birthday. On my birthday. When I turn 30, I'm going to be finger banger 1111. <laughs> yes. November 11th. Yes. Um, and then I'm, I, you can contact me on my website, which is paulinapinski.com. Um, I am available for independent writing coaching and then I will be leading another 12 week group through the artist way in January. Amazing. Super um, into it. Yeah. Super, yeah so totally reach you should out. Be doing it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I really, really admire the both of you. And so it's yeah. really been lovely to talk to you. I also have cried during every, every time we do the task on the artist way. I cry a little bit after one of the Uh-oh. one of the things will make me cry. It's working. Man, I'm so tired of crying. I, don't know. I know. Yeah, you're not ready. But maybe in January you will be. Maybe in January. Yeah, you're not ready for yeah. the artist's way. Why don't you just yeah. take cat's way? Yeah, cat's cat's way. Yeah. Right now. Well, I mean, that's the other thing too, is like you, it's okay not to be ready. Mm. You know what I mean? Like I wasn't ready until I was ready. Mm-hmm. And like I was ready because like literally like God grabbed me by the throat and shook me around a little bit. You know, mm. like maybe there's going to be divine intervention, you know, like for me, I don't want that. <laughs> You're like, I'm not ready to talk about God. No, That's a different you. conversation. I, I just don't want anybody grabbing me by the throat and shaking me. Okay. Around. Well, like, I don't want I'm kind of into that. Gentle, it's a gentle, 
She's been through it. Yeah, it's it's a gentle. It's yeah, a, maybe it's more like if God says, "Call me daddy." Yeah, it's a God, a gentle kiss on the forehead. Yeah, yeah. I'm into that. Little yeah. daddy coming Little in, daddy, daddy, daddy. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, daddy. Um, oh no. But yeah, uh, that's great. I'm I'm Jenny Zagrino on everything, and I'm same stylistic on everything. So. Oh, it was such a pleasure to have you. Thank you so Thank much you for having so me. Uh, like and we are going to take photos with the robes on oh yes uh, in front of, wait, okay. I, I got the robes all right well then we'll do you just want me put a filter on i will face. put a filter Thanks. on your face Thanks. i will mask it um with light put a filter yeah. on do you want me to just put someone else's face <laughs> yeah do you guys just photoshop lupe's lupe face. yeah his <laughs> face on your face <laughs> i'm healing my relationship with uh, lupe right now yeah, right now. And she <laughs> sucks ghost dick right now. What are you doing, you little weirdo? You it has just been Lupe's thing is that she's she's so angry because there's never a ghost dick for her to suck. <laughs> and that's why she's so mad. She's like, you're not a ghost. Lupe's addicted to ghost dick. Yeah. <laughs> like Which, she's foaming true life, now. I'm addicted to ghost dick. Gaudy. Gaudy. Positive, 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 positive,